Hey y'all, happy hump day. It is a gorgeous sunny day here in the Northeast Kingdom and I'm actually recording outside in a bikini because that is the luxury of work from home attire. Today I am really excited to talk about something that I don't talk about often with my friends or even my family and that is my adoption story. As most of you know, my parents are white and they are not my biological parents, but they are still my parents nonetheless. I hope you will gain a better understanding of who I am as a person and you learn something as well. Oh, I also want to add that this episode is titled Shirhua because that is the name I was given as a baby. My parents kept the Hua part, so my full name is Emma Hua LeMay, and I'm really glad that they um, chose that for my middle name because it will always remind me of my heritage and where I came from. And also, not a lot of my friends have a middle name like that. When I was a kid, my dad used to go Emma Hua, and it was kind of silly, but um, it just makes me think that that middle name is that much more special. Okay, so before diving into today's episode, you'll have to bear with me through a rant about latest happenings. Last week, I was able to go down to Poughkeepsie for a last time and hang out with some of my closest friends at Lewis's house. It was so nice seeing them and spending time with them in person. Sasha came from Minnesota to pack up her room, and we really just had a blast um, doing those final college things, and I think a lot of us got closure that we've been searching for in the past couple of months, and we got that through doing things like jumping into the Hudson River because that's a Marist tradition before you graduate and playing Cheers to the Governor and Cards Against Humanity. There were definitely some white claws involved and even doing the little things like going to Ready Coffee which is one of our favorite coffee joints and Sasha and I went grocery shopping a couple of times. Um, she always pushes the cart when we go. Sunday was our designated grocery day and we cooked dinner together in the kitchen which was really fun. So just doing those things and reminiscing about the past four years it really was the perfect way to close the college chapter for good and I feel like now we can all turn the page and start fresh with our post-grad life which has certainly been unconventional in many ways. Bottom line is that it was a great time with them and I'm really sad that I don't know when I'll see them again, but I know we will make time for one another. We will keep each other in the loop. So that is that. Okay, another thing I know I addressed you guys saying y'all in the very beginning of this episode, and I'm honestly just having too much fun interning at a company based in Dallas, Texas, because that is how they all talk in all of our Zoom meetings and in our company group chats it's always hey y'all can y'all do this and as someone from Vermont where that's just not really said I'm 
I'm enjoying that aspect of the Texan culture. Um, it's I know it's annoying for people who are from the Northeast, so I will try to um, dial that back in this podcast. So we are in my mom's camper. We haven't lived in this thing for a few summers now. My parents just really wanted to get one since they've always enjoyed camping, and I think they still are going to try to go cross-country one day. Um, so I'm up here this week with both of my parents and Kiara. We're at this really nice campground that's only a mile away from town, and there's a lot of people here. They also have a bike path and a playground, pickleball courts. The lake is 30 seconds away. Yesterday, I was actually down there with Kiara. And if you guys have ever met Kiara, you'll know that she's kind of a cracked out dog, especially considering she's nine years old. She's a psychopath, but I love her anyways. Um, I brought her down to the lake to play fetch in the water because she loves to swim. And I let her off the leash a little early. And this dog had the nerve to just dart. I got so mad at her and I was yelling her name. She was far away going into the woods and crawling on top of the boats that were anchored close to shore. I was like, seriously, Kiara? And this dog just has a mind of her own. I would I would yell at her and say, Kiara, she'd look at me and then she'd just take off in the other direction. So I got a little angry at her and I left her for about 20 minutes and then went back to the beach and she finally came back to me with a little boo-boo on her foot and then I, I figured I'd still throw the ball for her in the water and I did. So it's been it's been really interesting working from home up here. It is absolutely stunning, just a lot of green and I'm I'm so happy here that it's really easy to feel inspired and get work done and be creative. So I do plan on coming up here like I had planned every week and going home on the weekends. This morning, I woke up just... I know you guys have also had dreams where you either see someone from your past or they feel so real that you think it happened and you just wake up feeling kind of sad. So that happened to me today. Last night I had a dream about someone who I definitely like wish that we could have an in-person conversation again, but I think the likeliness of that is really slim. So seeing him face to face in my dream and hearing his voice just kind of and hearing hearing him say things that I wish he had said in person kind of just threw me off I've been really deep in my feels lately I don't know if it's because I'm up here in nature or because I'm not a student anymore and I'm not constantly doing things all day I now have the time to reflect on past relationships and temporary flings, things like that. And also my freshman roommate from high school is engaged to her college sweetheart, which is awesome. She texted me on Sunday that she had some really big news and sent photos of 
the proposal and she just looks so happy i haven't met her i guess now it's her fiance but i've heard really great things about him and i told her i'm of course here to help with any wedding things if you need me and it's just insane to me that we're now in the decade where people will be getting married the next time we're at marist will probably be our five-year reunion and I mean, our classmates could have children by then, and it's all feeling very real. This new stage of life, where you're trying to launch your career, you're really thinking about finding that person that you could share your life with, and it's all just a lot. I'm, I'm trusting the process. I got up this morning and journaled right away, so. Obviously, right now in a global pandemic, dating is not the number one priority, and I'm honestly glad that I've had a hiatus from that. But I think once things are up and going again, it will be fun to get back out there. And I don't know if you guys have seen Dating Around on Netflix, but it's a really great show. It's much more realistic than The Bachelor. You essentially follow someone on a first date with five people, but it all feels like one date. The way the editors cut it, and yeah, I actually slid into one of the people's DMs, and he followed me back and answered me. But I'm waiting for him to answer my second message. So I will let you know if anything comes of that. It probably won't, but just a little, a little fun thing to keep me. Um, on my toes. Okay, I swear I'm going to get into the podcast very soon. I am going to share my co-star before doing that. And today it says less talk, more action. You're feeling bossy today, but feelings aren't facts. Why do you fuse your opinions with your ego like that? Don't take yourself too seriously. All right, and that pretty much.、Um, I think some <laughs> sums it up. I don't really know what to say about this one. I really liked my one yesterday,、um, but yeah, co-stars—they're just fun, and sometimes they're they're spot on, and sometimes they just are a little a little off. Before I start talking about my background, I just want to mention that the Black Lives Matter movement is obviously at the forefront of everybody's minds right now, as it should be. And what I'm going to say, I'm not meaning to take away from that in any way, but I still do want to share my perspective on diversity and how it has impacted me.、Um, I am not a black person in this country. I cannot speak on their behalf, but I do think the biggest thing we can be doing right now is educating ourselves and having some tough conversations. And holding our friends and our family accountable when it comes to、um, just inaccurate information. I'm reading a book right now called "How to Be Less Stupid About Race," and that's just given me more context and a better understanding of racism and the roots in this country. So I just wanted to bring that up before diving into this episode, and I'm trying to take a break of social media because. It's just a lot right now, and it is really great seeing people show their support and everything. But I think I'm just doing a better job processing by 
reading and just trying to sort things out for myself before I really insert myself in the discussion online. I'm not going to start at the very beginning because I want to share a couple defining moments that kind of summed up my childhood and struggle with embracing my Asian American identity. I, like I've mentioned before, grew up in southern Vermont in a very white town. Um, and that was really hard for me to navigate. I remember being on the middle school dance floor and just not feeling pretty because all the girls the guys were chasing were white and they weren't chasing me and I thought that was because I was Asian and I wasn't attractive. That mindset has obviously shifted a lot throughout my teenage years and um, early adulthood, but that was really hard for me to process back then. I also remember doing standardized testing and checking off the white box in the race section because back then I felt white. I thought Americans are white and I'm an American. Um, and obviously I've grown a lot since then and you can be an ethnic minority and be an American. Millions of people are. But at that age where I just wasn't surrounded by people who came from diverse backgrounds, it was hard feeling like the only one. I also remember in fourth grade, there was a pretty traumatic experience. Um, the boys were flipping through a National Geographic book or something like that, and there was a naked Asian infant on the street with a pail next to her. Um, there was some money in it, and I can't remember exactly what happened, but I felt like the guys were pointing and laughing at this photograph and thinking of me, and that forced me to go right into the cubby area and I just started bawling my eyes out because it just felt like super ignorant and again a moment where I didn't feel understood or respected because of my heritage and that was really really difficult. My grandpa came and picked me up from school that day because my teacher sent me home early and he asked me what was wrong and I just didn't say much about it because yes, he's my grandpa and I love him to death, but he also couldn't relate to that experience. And I have no idea what my teacher told him, but I, I remember that day very clearly. The last date I was on in February was with a guy who had never met someone who was adopted. And I thought that was really surprising, especially because he grew up in New York City. Um, but I think you'd be surprised by how many people are adopted and you just don't know it. It is something, I mean, adoption stories are kind of fragile. Um, but I'm super open talking about it if people ask. It's also not something that I'm just going to bring up out of nowhere. Um, things didn't work out between us, but I don't want him to ever think that it's because he was prying into that part of my life because I was flattered that he was curious and interested in my story. 
So I'm going to share with you what I told him. And that basically starts with Chongqing, China in 1998. And that is in the Sichuan province of China. Um, it's assumed that I was born on July 17th, 1998. I don't know if that's the exact date I was born, no idea where I was born exactly in the city, um, but I, around, I want to say, that time period, that month of July, um, I was left at a park in the city, and I'm assuming my birth mother left me there. Because uh, she knew someone would pick me up and take me to an orphanage. That was the norm then, especially with Chinese girls and the one-child policy. I was very fortunate enough to have a nanny named Peng Chirong, and she took care of me in her home. I did not stay in the orphanage. And she took care of me while my parents back in the United States knew that they wanted to adopt a baby girl from China and they went through an adoption agency called CCAI. And it was about a year long process for them to get matched with a baby and they were matched with me. And I'm not a super religious person, but I do believe some higher power um, tied us together somehow, and on December 14th, 1998, they officially became my parents in China. It was, I asked them all the time about what it was like, and I flipped through the photo albums because that must have been such a cool experience. I'm very open to adopting kids if I choose to have kids, and, um, if my partner also wants children, um, and that, I look at the photos and I looked really sad leaving my nanny since she was my caretaker for the first six months of my life. Um, but yeah, I was no longer an orphan. I had a family and they spent, I think, or we all spent a couple weeks in China because they had to fill out the official paperwork. And that day, December 14th, I, my Chinese citizenship had ended and I was officially an American citizen. It's really important to acknowledge that every Chinese American adoptee has a different story. People are adopted um, at various different ages and various circumstances. For me, I have never really been super interested in trying to find my birth family. I know that they're out there somewhere, but because it's very difficult to do so um it's just not something that I've been really committed to I like to think that I have an older sister out there somewhere I am still interested in taking a 23andMe test someday um but like I said before like I mentioned before with the one child policy like boys were the prize and I'm assuming I had an older sister and then my birth parents 
tried again to try to get a boy and they didn't um one of my friends recently asked me she just finished watching little fires everywhere and she asked me you weren't you weren't left at a fire station were you and because for her that was very hard to wrap her mind around but what I have understood is that that was fairly common back then and it's not something I'm really ashamed of and that moment when my birth mother chose to leave me in the park was an act out of love that is how I see it she knew that she could not take care of me in the way that she wanted to or provide me with the life that she thought I deserved and she wanted me to be taken care of a family that really wanted me so even though I was an orphan I I have not struggled with feeling like I was unwanted um I I I haven't I've it's interesting I've talked to some people who are adopted and we've talked about abandonment issues and some of them say that it they think it impacts how they um are in romantic relationships because when you're so young like that stays with you but that's something I just haven't uh given a whole lot of thought about um but something I do want to clarify is when I was younger too people would say oh your parents are your fake parents because they didn't give birth to you and that was really upsetting too as a kid because they are my parents like the whole it's really tricky hearing people say real and fake parents I think it's much more accurate to say biological parents um but my parents when I was younger tried their best to make me feel connected to my native culture by taking me to Chinese classes and celebrating Chinese New Year things like that celebrating my adoption day um and I I haven't been super insecure about being adopted and I think that has a lot to do with the relationship I have with my parents we are so close and I they've been super open with me about the questions that I've had growing up and the whole adoption process and why why they chose China things like that I went back to China I was actually there about five years ago from right now and that was an adoption heritage tour so I went with about 40 other families and the kids were adopted from China. I went with my mom and my grandma and it was really, really fascinating going back there. I was, I want to say 16 at the time, so I had a, a decent understanding of my story and how I was very much so American and being in China and blending in with everyone was a cool experience because I had never had that before but at the same time I also felt like I didn't belong in China because I was American I did not speak fluent Chinese I dressed very differently than Chinese people did and it felt like I wasn't accepted by them because I had become so American and in their eyes I think I felt like they thought I was white because I was American. And going to my orphanage was a very 
um, it was a really emotional and moving experience. Being there and seeing how many babies had special needs, it was just really difficult thinking that these these babies may never have homes and thinking that maybe I could have been in an orphanage for much more of my childhood and I could still even be in China if things didn't work out the way they did. I remember clearly one baby, she wasn't a baby, she was an infant, was just hitting her head against the wall because she craved that physical touch and that was one of the most heartbreaking things I have ever seen. I was with another girl when I went to that orphanage. She was also from that orphanage but she was a lot younger than I was. She was I want to say nine or ten at the time. She's actually from Vermont too from Burlington which is crazy like out of all people uh, the other girl from Chongqing was from Vermont. Um, anyways I think if I went back now if I if I also were to go back in 10 years and go through that whole experience again it would be different. I would love to go back and volunteer at an orphanage or teach English, um, spend more time there and be more immersed in the culture. I think it wouldn't take me too long to learn the language fluently because I took it for quite a few years in high school. Um, but yeah, for people who have been adopted, I think it is so important to see where you came from and where your roots are because... For me, I know I appreciated being Chinese more once I went to the country, once I went to China and explored it. Um, so yeah, that was that was a really great experience. My mom wanted me to go to China before I went to college, so I'm really glad we were able to do that. And other other Chinese American adoptees I know some of them haven't been back and some of them don't have an interest in going back so it's definitely different for each person um, but it's something that I would just encourage other Ameri Asian American adoptees to do. So that's basically my adoption story it's not super long um, and after that I pretty much had an American upbringing like most of you have. Um, my older brother was also adopted but that was a domestic adoption so it was very different than mine and I love talking to my parents asking them what the biggest differences were. Um, so my basically my advice to you is if you come across people who aren't white there's nothing wrong with asking oh were you adopted or are your parents um, minorities like what's what's your story because people once they're asked they I feel like are more willing to talk about it and if they don't want to talk about it they'll tell you and that's okay um, I know that moving forward I want to make sure that people I'm close to do know my history because uh, I, I think that just gives people a better sense of who I am this year was a big, big turning point in my um, thought process of being Asian American. And I think it really started with going to that event in Atlanta where most people there were ethnic minorities and talking about 
the diverse perspective we do bring to the table. And even doing MAPE this summer, pretty much everyone's an ethnic minority. And on the Zooms, just scrolling through, there's 300 of us on the Zoom, but flipping through the pages, it's really inspiring knowing that I'm part of this community of people who are not white, but are trying to break into the advertising industry and really embracing the fact that we are different because we just have had different experiences that white people can't really relate to. Um, And I don't want that to sound condescending in any way that's just how it is um in a breakout room last night there were about six or seven of us and we had finished our exercise we were working on a creative brief and we were just making small talk at that point and someone said oh what what ethnicities is everyone and just little things like that like growing up in a room full of white people like that was not a question that would have been asked and everyone went around you had people who this one girl looked very white to me and she said oh i'm i'm half cuban and like that's so cool there were people who just had very different backgrounds and people who whose parents were immigrants and they might be first generation students so just being a part of that community is really special and something i've never really had the opportunity to partake in and right now people who are ethnic minorities are in really high demand because companies want to be more inclusive and diverse in the workplace and something that I'm still trying to um I don't know if process is the right word but sometimes thinking that just because I'm Asian I'm filling a quota for somebody and honestly at this point if that's the case then so be it The other thing too with feeling very American but not but also being Chinese in my appearance um, is the fact that people are like well you don't bring that much else to the table like you're very American Um, but at the same time my Chinese background and that adoption story I just told you, like that is a unique and a diverse perspective. I am bringing something to the table that someone who is white and grew up in the United States cannot. So I know that I'm sounding a bit um, disjointed or frazzled maybe right now, but that's because I'm I honestly just haven't talked about this straight before really in a long time. So, yeah, I think, too, dating people who are not white has become something I've done more frequently in the past two years. When I was younger, my type was, like, white, skinny, and tall boys because that's what I grew up around. And dating people who come from different backgrounds has really opened my eyes because just from like a a very basic level we can relate to things that like I couldn't relate to with a white person necessarily and 
I'm I'm really glad that I've expanded my taste, you could say. It's funny too cuz my friends will say, "Oh, like Emma doesn't really have a type. She's attracted to a lot of different types of people." And I think that's really great. Um I I can't predict who what person I'm going to end up with, but just having that appreciation for people who come from like unique backgrounds is something I'm really proud of and it definitely took me a while to get there. So, we'll see we'll see what happens moving forward. I'm also much more comfortable with saying that I am a woman of color. Uh yeah, I never really started saying that until honestly the past month and in these ritual coffees I've had like I had one with an Asian guy who works at Good Bee in San Francisco and he said, you know, people like us, people of color, like feel different in this industry because there are so many white people. And just hearing him say it so casually, it's like, oh yeah, like I am a person of color. I am not I don't look like everybody else. And that has been something I'm not shy to bring up in interviews. I'm not. Um I had a great interview last week with the chief creative officer. It went really well, and I did bring that up cuz I said I'm a person of color and I think I can write copy that will widen an audience and hopefully um bring some good into the world. So Yeah, if you also are not white and I I'm sure you've had your own challenges. Um I think identifying yourself as a person of color is something that you shouldn't shy away from at this point in time. I'm going to return to the Black Lives Matter movement for a second and to try to wrap up this episode. Um I said something once when I was in high school, so this wasn't that long ago, and it was really fucked up for me to say, uh to put it bluntly. I remember being at a gas station in Troy with my best friend Nikki, and there was a black guy in the store and he was looking at us really suspiciously, and I don't know if I just felt uncomfortable or threatened or what. but the next day or even that night like i told my advisor who is african american and i said some dumb shit like oh i felt like really scared in the store with this black guy because i i'm not used to being around black people like what if i could go back in time and like hit myself across the face like i would that was so rude and ignorant for me to say and my advisor Deshawn she put me in my place in her office the next day saying you can't go around saying shit like that you're not a black person you don't know what it's like being on a subway and sitting down next to white a white person and them clutching their purse a little harder and i was like oh shit like she's right but in the moment i was just so like taken aback cuz i thought she was basically calling me a racist and i was saying like oh i'm not a racist i was sobbing in her office oh my gosh she remembers this too and <laughs> but that's the thing like we need to hold each other accountable i know i was 100% wrong in saying that and 
and her saying things and her telling me about her experience like I had no idea that that that's how she's felt in certain situations and that's the type of discrimination she's faced based on her race and just her saying that like made me think about all the times I was teased for oh you're Asian like good at math haha like those those just little stereotype okay well hers is not a stereotype but the Asian math stereotype and some of the stuff like that is just so like not accurate and just you shouldn't be making assumptions based on someone's on the color of someone's skin um so I guess the why I'm sharing this with you is because we do need to be better at having conversations about race and holding people accountable like she I will never forget that and that the way that she talked to me and the way that she put me in my place like someone had to do it and I'm glad that she did and I hope that I'll be able to do that to someone else who says a very um ignorant comment that's a story that I'm like really ashamed of um but I think that's all part of the growing process and learning and educating ourselves on race I know I have a long way to go she knows and she said to me like I'm not perfect either I'm trying to educate other people and it's not always easy or simple so yeah I hope that this episode was interesting and making you think about things maybe in ways that you haven't before I think and I've told my friends this one of the best ways to educate yourselves is to have friends who aren't white if you are white like just hearing their stories their backgrounds talking to their family knowing things about their family like it will give you a greater appreciation for people of color and traveling too that's another thing Florence being in Florence my first year like with people of all different races and ethnicities that was awesome that was something that was really um, new to me just being in such a diverse environment so that is all for today I know a lot of you might be traveling or making plans for the next couple of months um and I wish you all a terrific rest of your week Thank you for tuning in today. I encourage you to get outside, get some sun, go for a run, crack open a book, maybe even a cold one later. <laughs> um, and yeah, if you have any questions or want to chat more, please feel free to reach out to me. I am really open to continuing the conversation that I started in this episode. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you next week. Ciao!